Welcome to Anyone's Game with Casey and Andy. We are gamer brothers that love board games so much, and we want to share our passion of board games with games that maybe have been set aside and maybe replaced by newer games. We have brand new games that we want to talk about, maybe even some older games that we grew up with. My name is Casey, and that's my brother Andy. Welcome back. It's great to have everybody here on our special episode. Casey, we're really excited about what we're going to talk about today. I am really, really jealous because I haven't been to... Gen Con, the gaming convention, in so many years. Now, this is uh, one of the largest. It's the largest in the United States, right? That's right. Yeah, the largest gaming convention in the United States held in Indianapolis, Indiana, and it takes place over four days. Wow, it's just really, really fun because uh, we talked about um, gaming conventions in the past where everybody gets together with people of like mind and everybody has the same passion. But in this case, there's all kinds of things going on. They have an exhibit hall where all the vendors set up and show all the newest, coolest games, multi-level tiered booths and crazy stuff like that. And they have a giant hall where people play in events and can uh, sit down and play their favorite games, even in tournaments, like world championship tournaments for these games. All kinds of crazy stuff. A costume contest. You get to see people walking around in costume. There's that true dungeon where you walk around like you're actually in a dungeon, right? That's right. It's it's a live role-playing game experience where you walk through crazy <laughs> and people are dressed up and they jump out at you and, oh, you know. It's so awesome. Yeah, it's great. So you have been there in the past and, yes. you know, a lot of these conventions are focused on brand new games. So this episode is not going to be focused on not not so new and vintage. We're going to be talking about brand new games for this episode. Gen Con Jamboree. Dear listeners, due to unforeseen technical difficulties, episode 13 of Anyone's Game with KC and Andy was transmitted to a mirror universe. The resulting content that was transmitted from that mirror universe contained content that may not have been suitable for our listening audience. While we have always worked to anticipate any technical difficulties, this unforeseen occurrence may have caused a high level of confusion, stress, and disorientation, as well as an unexplained interest in board games with heavier content and a higher price tag. We apologize for any new obsessions or habits this broadcast may have caused. And now, please enjoy episode 13 as it was originally broadcast. And yes, we're going to talk about games that anyone can play that was found at Gen Con. Uh, And in fact, Andy, these games are so new, some aren't even out that I'm going to talk about. I haven't played any of them. Yeah, I mean, I got a chance to play some of them um, and some not. uh, But really what we want to do is just feature these games. Um, there are the, some of the more talked about games, the ones that are most accessible that anyone can play. Um, and, uh, you know, we're excited about them, so we want everybody else to be excited about them, too. So, Andy, you go first with Gen Con Jamboree! All right, well, my first game uh, that I'm going to talk about, um, and I feel a little cheap Why? talking about this. Well, because it is the talk of the industry right now, I will have you know. This game has kind of transcended everyone's expectations, starting with another convention, San Diego Comic-Con, about a year and a half ago, where they released promo cards for this game, announcing it, and they immediately went up on eBay for like $5,000. And since that time, everybody's been waiting for this game. Highly anticipated, it's called Disney Lorcana Trading Card Game. As an Illumineer in the wondrous realm of Lorcana, you'll wield magical ink 
to summon new versions of Disney characters and items, which are called glimmers. These glimmers, some familiar, some fantastic, will help you as you race across Lorcana to find and collect missing pieces of lore. Endless quests await. So right now you got me. You got me. <laughs> you got me. Right, you got Disney and you got a trading card game. That's right. Just to take a step back for everybody who doesn't know what a trading card game is, everybody has probably heard of the Pokemon trading card game at this point in their life or Magic the Gathering. Uh, a trading card game is basically a card game that you play with other people, but you construct the deck yourself. So it does have decks that you can play immediately, a 60-card deck that you shuffle and play the cards. But you can also purchase booster packs that add to your collection where you can actually construct your own deck and take that deck into a game versus someone. And that makes the, the, the multiplicity of possibilities of combinations of cards almost infinite. Trading card games, also known as collectible card games, started back in the mid-90s. And Casey and I <laughs> have played... A lot of them. Yes, we have. We, we played just about all of them. <laughs> so the Disney Lorcana trading card game is by Ravensburger. Um, it's for two to six players, so it's not just a two-player game. Wow. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Ages eight and up, and the games can last anywhere between 20 and 30 minutes. Very quick, very easy game. And that's what it was billed at. It was, it was um, advertised as a game that was accessible and friendly and anyone could play. So it's not a super nerdy uh, game that takes a lot to understand. Now, how you win this game, very easy. You are Disney characters and you're wandering around this land called Lorcana and you're trying to collect lore. The first person who collects 20 points of lore wins. So in contrast to other games where you're trying to defeat the person by maybe doing damage, in this case, you're collecting points, and the first person to collect 20 lore points wins. You can also win if your opponent needs to draw a card and they can't, uh, you win. That's in um, trading card games, that's called decking your opponent. So that's how you win. Now, what you do into setup is very easy. You have a 60-card deck, you shuffle it, you draw seven cards, and you set your lore counter to zero. That's basically keeping score right there. Um, on your turn, you've got ready, set, draw. It's easy to remember, right? Ready, your cards, means you turn them upright. Set means anything that happens at the beginning of your turn on listed on some of your cards, you do that. So some card might say, at the beginning of your turn, gain a lore. At, that would happen at this point. And then draw. You draw one card from the top of your deck, and then you're ready to take your turn. Now, the resource in this game, in order for you to play cards, is called ink. And that's one of the things that makes this very distinctive. All cards have a number in the upper left-hand corner. The number is surrounded by a gold border or not. If it's surrounded by a gold border, that's an ink card, and you can play it face down in your ink well, right? When a card is in your ink well, you can use it to play other cards. So, for example, if Aladdin is your hand, and in your hand and he costs two, you'd have to use two ink to play Aladdin and bring him into existence. So that's how you use ink. It must be said that when you play a card face down as ink, you don't get to use that card or whatever was on the other side of that card. So if you put Sleeping Beauty face down in your ink well, you don't see Sleeping Beauty anymore. She becomes ink. She's the essence of Sleeping Beauty. Okay? Ah, okay. That's kind of cool. There's only four kinds of cards in the game. There's characters, right? That's all your famous Disney characters. You've got 
uh, Iago and Jafar, and you've got all the characters from all different kinds of, of Disney films. Then you have items. So you can play items just like a character, and they go face up and play next to your characters. Um, an example of that might be um, the mirror, the magic mirror from Beauty and the Beast, or um, Rapunzel's frying pan that she carries around with her. You, those are actual items in the game. Now, another card is actions. Now, these are very easy. An action is just something that you do. It has immediate effect. You play it, it happens, and you put it in your discard pile. So that might be gain two lore or heal one of your characters, and it happens immediately. And then the last card is called a song. And I think this is one of the really charming parts of the game. Songs can only be played if there's a character to sing the song. So you have to have a character in play with a high enough number in the upper left-hand corner to sing a certain song, and they have much more hmm. powerful effects. Like you can heal a lot of your characters or cool. much more powerful actions when you have a song that can be sung by one of your characters. That's the four different kinds of cards and how you play them. After you've played a card or played an ink, then you can use the different abilities on the characters in a couple different ways. Each character can be used in two basic ways. That is... A character can be used to gain lore, which, as I said at the beginning, your goal is to travel around Lorcana and gather lore. Many characters have two little symbols on the left side of their card that is a lore symbol. If you exert them or turn them sideways and use them, you gain that much lore. So if you have a card on it with two lore points and you turn it to the side, you move your lore counter up two. Easy as that. Your, your character now can't do anything else, but they just quested, and that's called questing. The other way you can use a character is challenging an opponent's character. And what that means is every character has two attributes on their card. One is strength and one is willpower. Now strength is how powerful they are when they challenge another character. And willpower is how much damage they can take from other characters before they're banished to the discard pile. So if I were to challenge another character in play, I would turn my character to the side or exert them. I would challenge an exerted character from my opponent, and that's one key thing here is you can't challenge any character. You have to only challenge exerted characters who have turned to the side. Um, I compare our strengths, and each of us does damage to each other equal to our strength, and we put that in damage counters on each other's cards. Now, if you do enough damage that equal to or more than the character's willpower, they uh, go to the discard pile. They're banished. You can have your character take damage uh, as long as it doesn't equal their willpower. They stay in the play area with that damage on them. They can be healed later and things like that, but they're not banished. They're still in play. So that's challenging. It's a little more complicated, but really it's easy. It's a way for you to slow down your opponent and get and like have their characters be banished so they can't use them anymore. But you have to be careful because in gameplay, when you exert your character and turn it to the side, you are now vulnerable to be challenged, right? Because you can only challenge an exerted character. And that's one of the key things in this game is you have a key decision to make when you want to use that character to quest or to challenge, you're now vulnerable to being challenged yourself. In essence, that is the game. After you've done all those actions during your turn and you can't do anything else, you can't bring characters or items or anything into play, and you can't lure or quest, play passes to the opponent. They take the exact same turn. It goes back and forth. The first player to 20 lore points wins. Or, again, if you go to draw a card from your deck and you can't, you lose because you've you've run out of cards. And that, in essence, is Disney Lorcana. Now, I have to say, 
that all of the buzz and all of the anticipation of this game came to a head at Gen Con. I would be there early in the morning at 8 a.m., and there was a line trying to get into the Robinsberger booth that stretched all the way the length of the entire block, which is the convention center, out the door and around the block to get this game. Wow. I haven't seen anything like that in a long time, Case. I think you remember back when Magic came out. Yes. So if you don't mind me asking, because, you know, we started with Magic early in the 90s. Yep, yep. Um, And for those of the people who don't know, Magic the Gathering is the first collectible card game. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, And this is a TCG, a trading card game. They're not calling it a collectible card game, but it is a collectible card game, right? Absolutely. Yeah, ironically, it's probably the most collectible card game right now because of what I said, that, you know, some of the cards are, are going for a lot of money and... There's not enough product out there for everybody to buy it. No supply and demand. Exactly. So if you want a special card and you you really want that card, you're going to have to pay a lot for it right now because there's not a lot of uh, opportunity to get it. It's sold out at Gen Con by 1 p.m. every day. Golly. (laughs) To all those people that were in line. So Mm -hmm. for somebody that's played Magic... And all the other CCGs and TCGs and LCGs. Pokemon, yeah, all that stuff. How much like magic is it? It sounds so similar because you said there's 20 points, except you're trying to get lore points as opposed to defeat the other person. You're tapping your cards or exerting your cards. Uh, You're attacking and defending. It seems very similar. It it is similar. So there's not a lot new. Um, Just from our standpoint, if you've played trading card games or CCGs before, there's not a lot new in the mechanics. What this game does is it provides provides you with a couple of interesting choices. And I think one of the main ones is the fact that your cards are your resource. You have a choice to make where you look at your hand yeah, I love that. and you might have cards in your hand that you need. Well, first of all, you have to have ink to play cards. So it's going to come from your hand. You have to play ink from your hand. Mm-hmm. Then you use your ink to play your cards. So what cards are you willing to give up? Right. What cards are you willing not to play and never see again in that game so that you can get another card into play? That's an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. In other card games, uh, CCGs and TCGs, there are specific resource cards. In Pokemon, it's energy. In Magic, it's lands yep. and, and, and so on and so forth. That's the first best thing. And But that's not new either because um, you'll recall another game that we love is Summoner Wars. Summoner Wars, you would take cards from your hand and put them in a magic pile and that would be your resource. And yep. you might see them again, maybe, but maybe not. The old Star Wars card game, you used to have to pull cards off of your deck, if I recall, to be able to play your cards out of your hand. That's correct. And that's an oldie. That's an oldie, but a goodie. That's one aspect that makes this. Now, another thing that I would say it makes it different from Magic is the softening of the theme, the terminology. So mm-hmm. when, you, when you bring a character into play, you use ink from your inkwell and you bring the essence of that character into play. And when you attack, you're not really attacking, you're challenging, right? Uh And when you don't kill them, they're just banished Banished. to the discard pile. So there's a softening of terminology that I think it makes it really accessible for younger players. Um, You know, it's an eight and up game, and I think it, it does it really well. And mission accomplished, because some of these things are very, very... um very pleasing, you know, sure. how it marries the theme with the kind of the Disney world and making it accessible. It's really, really cool. I've seen parents online, gamer, geeky parents that are playing this card game, which is a lot like other card games they've played with their son or daughter that is younger. And you've 
played with your daughter. That's right. Yep, yep. I I, I was lucky. Uh, so and? Lorcana has um, the seal of approval from my nine-year-old daughter, Valentina. <laughs> so I didn't know how she would take it. She has not played Pokemon or anything like that. Um, I didn't know how how she would latch on to the, mm-hmm. the, the rule. So again, common with this and other TCGs are card combos. You play a card that lets you do something. And if you play another card that combos with that, then it becomes much more powerful. She discovered this, and after that, she she lost. You know, she lost her first game, and she said, "I can't wait to play it again." Wow, that's <laughs> so, awesome! So there you go, seal of approval. And we've played a couple games now, and she did much better. Her second game, she completely skunked me. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> now that's really good for several reasons. Because here's your daughter, who's nine years old, whooping her gamer dad. Yeah, if you can stand toe to toe with me with a CCG, you got it going on, right? Because because I've played a lot of them. Now, <laughs> that's right, exactly. Um, so another really interesting thing here that I've not yet explored, which we may if we get together, is this is a multiplayer game. It actually has rules to play more than two players. Right, you said up to six, which I don't know of another trading card game that goes up to six. So that's the thing is, you can play this as is with six players. I haven't haven't done it yet, but they have rules for it. Wow. In Magic and other CCGs, they have to be like a special format. Like you have, your decks have to change. You have to change up rules to be able to play more than two players Mm -hmm. because Magic really was created as a two-player game as well as was Pokemon and several others. We haven't tried it yet, but the rules say up to six and you just kind of the person to your left takes next turn and I um, can't wait to figure it out. So that's another thing that that differentiates it. So yeah, so that was at Gen Con. It was the hit of Gen Con. Not a lot of people got to play it. A lot of people got to buy the cards. So that is one thing I will say right now. Um, just a word of advice is about the collectability and the rarity of the cards and something called organized play. That's the ability for stores to hold in-store tournaments and events and give out prizes and have people come into the store and play versus other people. Right now, it's really hard to do that because there's not enough product to give and allow people to do that and take part. If you want to buy a card right now, it's going to be very expensive if you want to buy any of this product. But I'm asking you to be patient because it's going to be everywhere very soon. Every friendly local game store shelf hopefully organized play and in-store events will take place. And you have familiar with that because your your kids were like Pokemon champions, right? <laughs> they did, you know? Yeah, they went to state for Pokemon. That's right. right. So that's kind of a, you, yeah. that's a big part of enjoying this game is going into a store, taking part, getting special promo cards and prizes. Mm-hmm. It's a great atmosphere, but can't do that right now. Um, and it's one of the things that's coming back uh, in the industry, uh, talking about how that's a little frustrating for folks that they can't take part in that right now. So if you're looking for it, don't pay the extortionate fees uh, that people are selling it for on eBay. They're just trying to get money. They took advantage of the fact they could get it at Gen Con early. They're putting things out there and selling yeah. it for the most bucks. That's not what this game was intended to be. This game was intended to be uh, a game that's accessible to everyone, that's fun to play, that will reintroduce people to all of the concepts that were introduced in Magic the Gathering and Pokemon and and have people experience the fun of the gameplay as well. There is that Disney collectability. You can't get past that. But right now, it's through the roof. It's all going to calm down soon. So if you have a chance, when you can, if a local store has Lorcana, go ahead and pick up a couple starter decks. Play it with your, your children. Even if you're hardcore CCG players, you might find a little bit of a deeper game there, uh, a little bit more of a deeper strategy. So it's an enjoyable experience, and it is kid-tested and approved in the Loop household. There you go. That's a great one. I was hoping you were going to feature that one because it's all the rage on this Gen Con Jamboree. <laughs> 
That's right. That's right. All right. So uh, on my Gen Con list, uh, I obviously did not get to play this game, but and I'm not going to be able to talk about it as long because of that. And I believe there's not a whole lot to talk about it except that it's seemingly awesome. Sunrise Lane. Even behind the appearance of the most serene and romantic residential neighborhood lies fierce competition between construction companies to build it. Welcome to Sunrise Lane. So Sunrise Lane is published by Horrible Guild. Two to four players takes about 45 minutes, and this game is for eight and up. Definitely anyone can play it. Now, when Andy and I had our wives on the podcast, uh, if you missed it, go back and listen to Partners Picks a couple episodes ago. We mentioned Ticket to Ride. Now, depending on your gamer prowess, you may have heard of it. You lay matching colored cards to lay trains on the map board and achieve destination cards. And then you get points for how many trains you lay. Definitely a game that anyone can play as well. This, Sunrise Lane, is similar in that you're laying cards of different colors to place things on the board. But now... You're building houses. First, let me tell you what the board looks like. It's a square board with a bunch of small squares in it that have pips on them. Not the backup singers for Gladys Knight, but the pips, the dots on the dice. And those are different colors. Now, there are some parks around the middle of the board. Then the cards you'll be playing have on the back what looks like a gate to a community, like a gated community. On the front of the card, you're going to have a picture of a beautiful house in a specific color. And you also have those little square-colored plastic houses that stack. It looks really cute. Okay, now, here's how your turn would work. You choose a space next to an already built structure. Play a card from your hand of that color, like of those pips, and then score those points. Then you can play more cards and build more floors. So, like two reds, you build a two-story house, and the more points you'll get. Then you could play more cards and build more houses on your turn. But if you want to keep building and you don't have the cards... You could build a park by discarding a card and then keep building. Let let me explain. Here's an example. Let's say you have two yellows in your hand and you build a two-story house on that yellow space. Well, right next to it, there's a blue space. And then next to that one, there's a green space. Well, you have no blue cards in your hand, but you have green cards. So you discard a card, build a park in that square, the blue square. Now the green space next to the park is open and you can build a house there. Cool, right? Now, there are two different districts on the board, blue and red districts. In the blue district, you get bonus points for the highest houses. And then in the red district, you get bonus points for the majority of houses. You'll also get bonus points for the largest group of adjacent houses. Then whoever has the highest number of points wins. It's a game that I want to play, and it's a game that my brother has right now in his hands, and I'm really jealous. I have this game, yeah. I haven't opened it, I haven't played it, but it came highly recommended, so I picked it up. I promise we'll play it together. Okay, 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 cool. So that's Sunrise <laughs> Lane. It is from Reiner Kinesia, and it's published by Horrible Guild, which I don't know any of the games Horrible Guild has made before. Do you know a game that Horrible Guild made is a game that we need to feature? It's called Potion Explosion. Oh, we played that once. It's a great game. Yeah, so they they um they actually make games and then they have other companies bring them to the United States. Oh. I'm not sure where they're based, but um yeah, Horrible Guild is a design studio, uh not kind of their own manufacturer. They sell they sell them through other people. Oh, so that's excellent. I don't, I, we don't need to include all that. <laughs> <laughs> right, but that's interesting to me. That's very little cool. industry insight. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Horrible Guilds Sunrise Lane. Check it out.
And now a segment that we've never, ever done before, but we thought it'd be really fun since we only highlight a few games on the show. This way we get more games highlighted, right, Andy? That's right. And there's so many at Gen Con, we got to talk about all of them. These are all the Gen Con, well, these are some of the games at Gen Con that are really accessible and yes. fun yes. and family friendly. And we just want to feature them, but we don't have an hour and a half to talk about them. We don't. So what's it called, Case? 30 Second Snapshot. Andy, you get to go first. All right, you got the timer set? Got the timer set. 30 seconds to describe this really accessible game that anyone can play that's new at Gen Con. Three, two, one, go. All right, my game is called Thunder Road Vendetta. It's a reprint of a Milton Bradley game from 1986 called Thunder Road. And basically, this is like Mad Max cars smashing into each other. You have three cars, a small, medium, large car. Each one has a dashboard. You roll dice. You assign a die to the dashboard, and you move that car forward. The problem is, if you bump into a hazard or another die... Uh, another car you roll the slam die and it slams the other car in the direction if you go off the board you're eliminated the last person to survive wins yeah wow. ironically doing a racing game while you're racing to explain the rules of thunder that Road. is ironic but right. also exciting <laughs> uh, so this is accessible this is a fun game for everybody uh what's the age on it yeah age is a uh, 10 and up a uh, very easy roll dice move your cars there's oil slicks and landmines and all kinds of crazy stuff excellent and, and ch- choppers that can blow you up new cool all right here we go all right you ready casey yeah mine may be really really simple because i don't know much about this game because i've never played it but i'm really looking forward to it count me in all right ready case it's three two one go Dungeon Cart. Now, Dungeon Cart is not out yet. It's coming out soon from a company called Brotherwise Games that has these games called Boss Monster. So it's all of those characters in kart racing. Does it sound familiar? Yes, it's a board game version of Mario Kart. But we can't say that because that's a totally different company. But it's very cool. It looks really fun. You move around this multiplayer kart racing tactical tabletop board. Uh, You power yourself up. You drop little things. Uh, You cross the finish line first. You show opponents who's boss. Oh. Perfect. Perfect timing, dude. It looks really, really fun, man. That does look fun. Yeah. And that's like two race games in a row with cars and stuff crashing. Yeah, and I love racing games, and... I don't know one person that doesn't love Mario Kart. There's just something about yeah. dropping banana peels and, and, you know, you do different things than this, but they're like fireballs and it just looks really, really cool. And it's not out yet, like I said, uh, but look for it. It's from Brotherwise Games. It's ages eight and up. Looks like a great accessible game for the whole family. Dungeon Kart. It'll be coming out at the beginning of next year. Awesome. Sounds great. Okay. All right. 30 seconds on the clock for you. <clears throat> Three, two, one, go. This game is called Sky Team, and this is a cooperative two-player game where you and another person are in the cockpit of a giant airliner, and you have to land it at the airport. How do you do that? You roll dice behind a screen. You assign the dice to different aspects of the plane, like to affect its flaps, its pitch, its landing gear. If your dice don't match, you can drink coffee and change the the (laughs) dice to keep yourself awake. If you run into another plane, you crash. You gotta land the runway just perfectly to land. Otherwise, you crash, you die, the Sky Team. <laughs> you crash, you die, <laughs> Sky Team. <laughs> it's, Dude, I have to say, I want to play this game so badly. I've seen pictures of it. It just looked, it's fast too, right? Yeah, it, it, it isn't actually. It isn't because you don't get to talk. That was one thing I left out of my little 30 second snapshot oh. is you can't discuss what you plan to do, which is really interesting. You roll the dice wow. behind a screen. You don't know what your other, what your co-pilot's going to do. You can't talk. Once you roll the dice, you can't talk, and you start just doing things and cooperating. Oh my gosh, that sounds so cool. No speaking, silent, cooperative, Sky Team. Excellent.
but it's cool uh, and it looks so cool too like they got the cockpit yeah and you have like the horizon of the plane thing. that's so cool also includes like a bunch of different airports too so the airports are different you can land at different airports oh, that's cool all right i, I want to play that game ready case next one yes this is fun i've never done this uh this before so this is really fun okay we're capturing the excitement of the game in a snapshot right that's that was the whole idea okay here you go ready for your next one yep let's go on your mark get set a go this game is called redwood if you can get past the beautiful art on the box which is amazing it's this tree and all these animals on top of a camera lens this is a game about taking pictures of animals in nature it lasts about 45 to 60 minutes it's a, a game for one to four players ages 10 and up most people say people eight and up it's great for the whole family but yes each turn you choose your different music movements and you have this little plastic view of where your camera sees to see if the other animals and what you can get in your pictures you Get all the game the pictures. Oh, man. That's a lot of game to shove into 30s. Yeah, it looks amazing because you collect these animals and all these elements. You try to get victory points by taking pictures of things. It just looks so beautiful. Taking pictures of animals seems like one of the most accessible things that you could imagine in a game. You know what I mean? Definitely. It sounds great. I think my daughter's really going to like that. She loves animals and, and loves drawing and things like that. So pictures of animals. And have you seen that cover of that box? Yeah. I mean, the art is just beautiful. Yeah, I have. I absolutely have. It's gorgeous. Hey, good good one, Case. All right, yeah. so check that out. Thanks. Redwood is the name of that. All right, hold on a second. Give me a second to prepare. No problem. I went over 30 seconds by continuing to talk it's, about that game. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> we're being generous with our... Yeah, right. Right? We're not spending 15 minutes. That's Right. Um, Next time, it'll be the 30-second-ish snapshot. <laughs> All right, you ready? Three, two, one, and go! All right, I'm talking about Robo Rally. This is a classic game by Richard Garfield, who created Magic the Gathering, but this was before he created Magic the Gathering. You control a robot. It's a programming game where you choose how your robot moves with cards. Forward, backward, turn to the right, turn to the left. You turn over each card and turn. Everybody does at the same time. You bump into each other. You fire lasers at each other. You're all just trying to get to a space that's capture the flag. When you land on that space, you capture the flag. You win. Uh, Robo Rally. It's a remake from an original game. It's awesome. <laughs> you even got it awesome before the end. Dude, Robo Rally. So this is a new version of Robo Rally, right? Yeah, that's right. It's completely redone. Uh, there's been a few ver- different versions. Uh, this is the newest version. It has pre-painted little robot minis in it. It's got like 80 possible race courses. The rules have been streamlined. So one of the complaints about the game in the past was it was really kind of clunky and hard. Mm-hmm. This is a game from the mid-90s uh, originally. Um, and so it's been it's just a fan favorite. So this new version, um, I was actually got to, to witness the World Championship at Gen Con and see Wow, like cool. Six robots go to battle on a couple of boards and just crash into each other. It's complete mayhem. And one of the things is, I played it with my kids too, is they started to get upset that they couldn't make their robot go the way they wanted to go. Yes. And I'm like, it's not that kind of game. You have to go, oops, I just fell off in a pit. <laughs> yep. Oops. Oops, you bumped me onto a conveyor belt and now I'm off the board. Yes. That's it. You'd have to take it with kind of a grain of salt. It's just a wacky, wacky game, a race game. Uh, you kind of capture the flag. So, that's Robo Rally. Before I get to my other game, I heard a rumor Uh-oh. that there's going to be a Transformers version of Robo Rally. Is this true? <laughs> that, that is correct. Because I am so in, if so. Really? That's correct. Yeah. Oh uh, Transformers Robo Rally or Robo Rally Transformers, I'm not sure which one it is, was actually 
takes place on um, a planet where the Transformers would race around, uh, and you go into alt mode where you're the car, but then if you need to do something, you watch and you become a... Autobots, roll out. That's it. And then you blast each other, and then you go back in your car, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds fun. Sounds fun. I've got to do that when that comes out. All right, I've got one more for you, and this one is uh, I'm sneaking this one on you because it's a recommendation that I texted someone that you know very well, somebody that played a lot of board games at Gen Con, one eldest son of yours, Elliot. <laughs> okay. And so I knew that he had played so many board games and I asked him, I said, what is one that was, is very accessible, something anyone can play? And he slammed back a full text of this great game that they just laughed and loved. All right. I think I know which one you're talking about, but I'm going to hear you talk about it right now in three, two, one, go. This game is called Ensemble. This is a game where you lay down a card and everybody tries to match the card from their hand to what the card is out there. If anybody's played Dixit, it seems sort of like a Dixit, but no one talks. Sort of like Sky Team, like Andy talked about. You don't talk as you're playing this game. And you all have to vote for the same one. If you don't, you move on. And uh, it's an ensemble, so it looks like a theme of a conductor trying to get the whole orchestra together. And it just looks like a beautiful game. And it's an amazing family game that I want to play. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did yeah, you play yeah. this game? No, no, but he talked about it. Um, did you? So tell me a little bit, like, what are the cards like? On the cards that I'm looking at right now, there are these beautiful sort of little pieces of art. Like, one of them is this cute little girl with a, an umbrella and very colorful. There looks like a almost Mary Poppins style thing. There's a pair of ice skates artfully hanging. There's a cello. There's a key. And from what this seems like, if anybody's ever heard of Dixit, which my wife wanted to feature when she was on this show, oh. uh, is, a, is a great game where you're all trying to vote for what card seems most like that art piece. This one is just done silently, and you all have to vote for the same one as opposed to voting for the right one. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like a really, really simple party game that everybody gets together with as opposed to competing against each other. It's cooperative, like we've talked about. Oh, yeah, that's great. Great. Cooperative party game. Ensemble. Uh, hard to explain a game that I've ever played before, but especially in 30 seconds. But this game is from uh, a company called Ergo Ludo Editions. So it must be from Italy, I'm guessing. Uh, it is, yeah. And Ares Games, I think, is the one that's distributing it in the United States. So Ares Games. But uh... So look for that. Uh, at your friendly local game store when it comes out soon or just go to ariesgames.eu. All right, Andy, the last one in our 30-second snapshot. This is kind of the same similar category as your last one, but it's not cooperative. It's competitive party game and it's, I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, you started talking about it, but not yet. In three, two, one, go. All right, this is a cute little party game called Everything Ever. You have a uh, deck of category cards. The category cards say things on them like every character catchphrase or every fictional cat or every <laughs> pasta shape. And what you do is you lay two down and you have to name something from those categories. The next person has to name something from those categories around, around, until you can't. If you can't, you have a choice. You can play a card from your hand that changes the category, like every dog breed, or you collect the cards. When the deck runs out, the person with the least amount of penalty cards wins. <laughs> All right. We'll give it to them. <laughs> Judges? All right. They're giving it to you. Yeah. Okay. That sounds really fun. Did you play this game? Have you have you played it? I have. I played it um, quite a while ago. Um, I, it was actually demoed to me last Gen Con. Um, and it is mm. very interesting. It's kind of a brain burner because it's funny. It's one of those things. It's like a very common category, like 
every indoor sport. And I name one, and then you name one, and then somebody else names one, and then it wow. comes around you, and you're like, um, and then you have a choice. You can change the category with a card from your hand. Right, right, right. Or if you're completely stuck, you have to collect the cards. It's really, it's like anybody could play it anywhere. That's fun. It, it's it's almost even not a game, but that's how you play. <laughs> you <know? laughs> it's almost kind of a discussion. But there's like 208 cards in the box. There's tons of categories. Some of them are really funny. Um, and then there's a judging uh, mechanic as well. Like if you don't like an answer somebody gives, you can like call them out on it. So that is called Everything Ever. That's fun. No, it's not the movie with uh, Michelle Yeoh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, where you're jumping around <laughs> different quantum <laughs> universes but really fun that looks fun bright yellow box it's fun. that looks great well that's our first time we've ever done that segment i like it because we get to feature more games uh in Thursday. yeah my neck hurts <laughs> i'm exhausted it's like playing a real-time game where you just get all tense oh i need a bath <laughs> we're really old if we're getting sore talking about board games on a podcast <laughs> i guess so that's the way it goes so that's our anyone's game Gen Con Jamboree. There, that's right. <laughs> Ridiculous. I don't, we might get rid of that name. I don't know, but it's kind of yeah. fun. Maybe the last time we said that. However, on our next episode, we're really, really excited. Not only are we going to talk about some not-so-new games and other games that really excite us, but we're going to talk to a very, very special guest. That's right. We're going to be lucky enough to talk to Kane Klenko, who is... I'm really excited. He's one of my favorite designers. He's designed a couple of really, really cool games that my family loves. One of them is called Flip Ships. A couple of other games, many other games. He's got some other games coming out. But just like we did with our other guest, we're not going to like focus on just on his games. We're going to ask him from his childhood what games made an impression on him and games that he loves that he feels like anyone can play. So that's Kane Klenko. He's coming up next episode. I didn't know he did Flip Ships. I love yeah. Flip Ships. We've got to feature that game. Oh, my God. Okay. But we don't have time. <laughs> for that one on this one. So we'll see you next time on Anyone's, anyone's game, game with Casey, Casey and Andy. Andy. And here's hoping everyone plays games that anyone can play at Gen Con. <laughs>